Titus. We are in Colossians chapter 4, and notice what it says in verse 3. It says, With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. And we all know that the Apostle Paul spent a lot of time in jail for preaching the gospel. He, got a, he received a lot of persecution, and he, uh, he was always looking for opportunities to preach, always looking for opportunities to persuade people to come to Christ, to influence. And then he says in verse 4, because he's wanting, he's wanting an, uh, an opportunity, and he says in verse 4, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, the Apostle Paul was very familiar with the message that he was trying to get across, but he also wanted to make sure he knew how to get it across. He wanted to make sure whatever he said, that he said it in a way where people would listen, understand, and receive it because they had a lot of opposition. And so, and, and as Christians today, we have a message that we're trying to get out, and we should try to have wisdom in how we speak these things. When we go up to somebody's door, you know, when we're out soul winning, we're, we're not just there to just state facts. You know, we're not just there to say, you know, you're on your way to hell. You know, that's not a good opener. You know, that's, uh, that's true probably. You know, when you see Mary in the bathtub outside that house, there's a good chance they're probably Catholic and probably on their way to hell. But are you just going to go out and state facts, even though it's true? Or are you going to pray for wisdom that you're going to know how you ought to speak and how you can have, how you can say things in a way that will cause them to listen? Because what's our biggest obstacle? Just getting them to listen. Get, even sometimes, too, when they're standing there being polite, you can tell they're not listening. And it's not going to accomplish anything. And so you see in verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time we've only we're only going to get so many opportunities to witness to people chances are when you're knocking doors out here you know you might i mean most a lot of the doors most of the doors some days don't even get answered so when somebody does answer that door there's a good chance you're not going to get another opportunity to talk to them so what are you going to do with that time what are you going to do with that opportunity you know and this is this is an opportunity are they going to give you a chance maybe not but you know if how I say something, if the way I speak to them can make a difference, you know, I want to have the wisdom to know what I need to say so I can get their attention and take advantage of this opportunity. And so I'm walking in wisdom, redeeming the time. I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. People move all the time, too. And, and you know, and just think about that, too. You know, you know, you've got family members that maybe you've tried to reach. And sometimes it's hard with family. And you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of us, we'd love it if a soul winner knocked on their door. And you know, we ought to think about that just like we would want a soul winner to treat that, you know, our family member. We need to remember they've probably got a saved family member somewhere and we ought to treat them the same way. And so said, sometimes there's nothing we can do. They're not even going to give us an opportunity, but I don't want it to be because I was being foolish with my words. I wasn't, you know, maybe I was distracted. I just wasn't focused in on what I was doing. You know, we got to take advantage of these opportunities. And so in verse 6, he says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. So right here is where I want to, uh, the title for the sermon, Speaking with Grace. We want our speech to be with grace because that's going to help us. You know, we're going to, uh, what is it they say, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar? You know, and we need to make sure... We use that not just when we're out soul winning, but everywhere we go. 
You know, when it's with your coworkers, when it's with your neighbors, when it's with other people in the church, you know, we're only going to get so many opportunities to be an influence. We need to make sure we're taking advantage of these things. And we need to be wise in our words because the mouth is the most effective tool when it comes to witnessing, isn't it? It's hard to do it in any other way. You know, you can try your lifestyle evangelism stuff. You can try going around with such a sweet smile and looking so hip and trendy and loving that people are just going to run to you saying, what must I do to be saved? But I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how many conferences you go to telling me how to be all sweet and cute and everything. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to have people running to you saying, man, you just look so wonderful. I want to be just like you. I just see Jesus all over you. I, I don't know. Maybe that happens to these people. I, I doubt it, but... Uh, I think what we need to do is we need to use our mouth. We need to say something. We need, to, we need to speak. And so we haven't got a lot of time or opportunity. So let's use this time wisely. And I, do, I think it's profitable. And I think this is a little different. But that not only our speech uh, be with grace, but that it also be graceful. Okay? Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, first off, you know, when we speak to people, it should be clear. You know, don't, don't mumble. Okay, uh, your kids do that when they don't want to tell you something, but you're making them tell you something. Yeah, anybody ever experienced that before? That's what we act like when we go to some people's houses. God made me come out here and tell you how to get to heaven. Die day, you know for sure you're going to go to heaven. Yeah, and that, that's what your kids do. You know what happened? Well, you know Johnny was bothering me, and I got mad, and I, I hit him. I hit him. You know what? What'd you do? I hit him. We're saying it, but we're not really saying it because we're being forced. And that's how some people act when they're out soul winning. Okay? No. Be clear. You know, be correct. Okay? You know, we don't need to make up facts to impress people. Preachers do that sometimes. They, you know, I've heard preachers over the years, you know, who tell a lot of the same stories and they get better all the time. And it's like, you know, we shouldn't have to make stuff up to get the truth across. You know, we, it should be calm. Okay? You know, when, you know, usually when somebody just gets, when you ask somebody a question or when you're having a conversation, they get riled up. That's, that usually shows a lack of confidence. You know, when, you know, when you ask your child, did you do this? And they just immediately flip out. Why can't you be calm? Why can't you just state the facts of what happened? You know, are, are you trying to distract? Why, why the outrage going on right now? You know, whenever people get belligerent, you just don't want to listen to them, do you? So, you know, we need to be confident. Okay? We don't need to fear if truth is on our side. We should be able to get up and speak with great confidence. We shouldn't speak in a way of doubt. Well, you know, what do you think a person's got to do to go to heaven? Well, I mean, the Bible says that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, everything I just said was accurate, but I'm kind of saying it like, I think that's it. No, don't don't speak that way. Speak with confidence, like you like you actually believe what you're saying. You know, it's your speech should be convincing. We shouldn't have to try to prove we're telling the truth all the time. If everything you say, you have to like swear on your mother's grave. There's pro- there. You know what? You're telling me that you don't even think what you're saying is convincing. You know, I, I mean, I promise. I'll give you a million dollars if I'm lying. Why do you need to say all these things? Just you know what? You should just speak like everything you say is fact. And you know what? It, that should be what it is. 
And if you have to get all crazy, there's probably something wrong and people aren't going to want to listen to you. I'll be less likely to listen to you if you tell me I'll give you a million dollars. I'd give you a million dollars if I'm lying. Why, why do you need to say that? That's, that's really weird. So um, it is profitable if we speak in a graceful way. It's profitable if our speech is gracious. And gracious speaking, so it's, it's not necessarily the same, but there are some similarities. Uh, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 20, it's talking about Jesus after he reads that prophecy from Isaiah. It says, and he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture, this scripture fulfilled in your ears and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Now, what does that mean? These gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. Well, uh, gracious means favorable or kind, friendly, uh, meaning benevolent, merciful, disposed to forgive offenses. These are uh, definitions for gracious. And so whenever a person is speaking with grace, we're speaking in a way that shows favor to that person. You're speaking in a way where you're giving off the impression and you, and folks, I'm going to show you, you can't really fake this stuff. Okay. You can't really fake being gracious. You can try and you might convince some people, but you know, we're not trying, I'm not trying to tell you how to fake it. I'm trying to tell you, you just need to actually be this way. And if you're not able to do this, you need to find out what's wrong with you and you need to fix it so you can actually be gracious and you can actually speak with grace. But we need to be showing favor to people. When we speak to people, we will be so much more effective if this is in our hearts, because people are going to know. Gracious speech will always have an impact and be effective with people. But the, said, the truth is, if you try to fake it, they're going to figure it out and then they're going to be less likely to listen to you. And so we're all more likely to listen to somebody who we feel truly loves us, truly cares about us, wants the best for us, you know, is on their side. And so when we speak, and, and here's the thing, even when we speak against someone, even when we're saying things, stating facts, that are negative towards that person, we can still do it with grace, okay? Because let me ask you this. What's the difference in the message of me saying, you know, when I'm having a discussion with somebody about salvation and they're wrong on the gospel, what's the difference between me saying, you know what, you're on your way to hell. What's the difference between me saying that and you know what, if you don't recognize the fact that, you know, Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're going to spend eternity in hell. Now, same message, isn't it? I, same, me, same message on both sentences. I'm telling this person, you're on your way to hell. But when I say it one way, I kind of sound like I'm happy about it. When I say it in another way, I'm saying it like, I don't want this to happen to you. Because, you know, you have found grace in my eyes. I, I, I do favor you. I want good for you. And we're, and we're in opposition right now. We're opposing each other right now. But it's my desire for good to come to you. And so I'm just stating the fact that things aren't looking good for you right now. And I, I really want to persuade you to accept this truth of what's going on. Folks, who are you going to listen to more? The one who sounds excited you're going to hell? Or the one who's concerned that you're going to hell? So even when we're 
in opposition with somebody, you can still speak with grace. Even when somebody is dead wrong and you need to rebuke them, you can rebuke somebody with grace. That can, that can be done. And so you've got to understand it is, there's so much more to communication than the words you choose to come out of your mouth. Because what happens a lot of times whenever you call somebody out for being a jerk, being ignorant, being hateful, whatever, what do they like to do? They want to read a transcript of what they said. And then typically when they read the transcript of what they said, they say it a lot nicer than they originally said it. And see, and here's the thing you got to understand is, again, communication is more than just the words that come out of your mouth. It's, it's a lot more than that. I can read, you know, I could take somebody's statements and I could read them, you know, with a snarky voice. And it sends another message. Have you ever seen people do that before? Whenever they're mocking somebody else's words, they, they read it, you know, in a snarky voice. What are you trying to do? I want to make this person look like a jerk. That's not how they said it. I know. You know I, I'm, and then I'll get, I'm reading it verbatim. Well, not really, because I, I'm not reading the snark that's in there. I'm hearing it when it's coming from your mouth, but we often do things like that, but you... We communicate in so many more ways than just the words we say. Because what is it, too, we always like to say whenever we get in trouble with somebody? What did I say? Well, you know, what are we doing? We're saying, I want you to repeat back the words that I said. But there was more than just words that you said. There was actions behind it. There was tone. There was faces that you made. You know, there were gestures that were involved. There's a lot more to it. And anytime somebody gets called out, that's what they want. They want a transcript. You verbatim quote back what I said, even though there's more to it. Because first off, remember in Genesis chapter 31, I'm going to show you some examples of things here. Your countenance communicates. In Genesis 31 too, it says, And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Jacob knows something's wrong because Laban is speaking to him the way he had always spoken to him. As far as the same kind of words, probably the same pleasantries and everything is going on. But the only thing that was different was his countenance. Jacob, looking at Laban, knew he's got a problem with me. And in verse 5, it says, And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance. It is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. So Jacob, he decides, just because of Laban's countenance, he decided, you know what, I need to get out of here. And he snuck away, and you know what? It was wrong the way he handled that whole situation. Both these guys were wrong. Laban had problems, Jacob had problems, but the thing is, just his countenance communicated some things. And you know what? Jacob was right about what he felt Laban was communicating to him through his countenance. Laban did have a problem with Jacob during that time. And so the thing is, you know, Laban... You know, he's kind of acting like whenever Jacob takes off, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, where's the wrong that I've done? What did I say? Okay. Kind of that thing. Well, you know, you didn't say anything, but I, I could see it in your face. And let me tell you, that kind of stuff goes on in church where people do. They know how to communicate terrible things to somebody, but they never actually say anything. So you can't accuse me, you know, so you can't, you can't uh, hold me accountable for anything. no. You said something, okay, you know, and, you know, we all, we all know how these things are done, okay? You know, we're not stupid. 
Uh, that's, that's just an amazing thing about humans and about communication, about language. Is there's, there's so much more to it than words. And so, you know, folks, what is your countenance saying when you're witnesses, witnessing to somebody? What is your countenance saying when you are trying to witness to other people? And folks, you're not going to fake it. You're not going to fake it. And you know what? We would all be more effective in our witness if we would just ask the Lord to help us. Some of you might be like, you know what? I just don't like lost people. I don't care if they get saved or not, but I'll, find, I'll go soul winning because God told me to. Well, you know, that's a good start. You know what? Do it whether you feel like it or not. But you know what? Ask God to help you feel like it because you'll be a lot more effective if you feel like it. So, you know, get that right. Your tone communicates. Genesis 42, verse 7. And Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. Now, Joseph did not hate his brothers, but he was trying to deceive them here because he's, he's testing them. And so one of the things he did is he spoke roughly to them to make these guys think, you know, they needed to fear for their lives. And we see later when they're talking to their father, says the man who was Lord of the land spake roughly to us and it took us for spies of the country. So like, dad, we have to do what this guy says because here's how he spoke to us. It wasn't just about the words but Jacob was just like, well, what did he say? Well, he said these words. Oh, those don't sound so bad. Yeah, but you should have heard how he said it. And folks, that says a lot. How you speak, your body language communicates. In Luke 9:51, we talked about this last Sunday night. Jesus, when he was passing through Samaria, it says, uh, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. It was clear from Jesus' body language that he was on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to worship there, which was an offense to the Samaritans who had their own place of worship. Now, you know, Jesus was doing what he was supposed to do. You know, the Samaritans, they were wrong for being offended by this. But notice how they, Jesus, just his body language communicated something. And the truth is, what he was communicating, they got convicted about. Because it was. Jerusalem is where they were supposed to worship at that time. And that's not, they were in rebellion. They had their own perverted form of Judaism. They had their own place of worship. And so just that alone, it said something to them. And the Samaritans, they should have got right in their sense, but they didn't. And so, um, said you can, you can be in a conversation with somebody, but communicate that you want to leave. And if you're doing that when you're out, you know, sometimes we're out soul winning. People are talking to us and they're communicating, please stop. You know, and we got to learn to take the hint. But you know what? We don't need to be the same way. Bad. You know, whenever that person is listening and when their body language, their countenance, their everything is telling you they're listening, don't, don't rush through these things. Take advantage of that. Give them the time that they need and get the gospel to them you know don't be doing that with people in the church you know just yep 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 you know, just you're just like hurry up and agree with everything they say they're saying have you ever talked to that person who finishes your sentences for you all the time okay what, what are they doing they're trying to hurry you up hurry up and finish your statement you know hurry up and say what you have to say because either i have something i want to say or i'm just done with this conversation you know let, let's just let's just cut this off that's not speaking with grace okay and listen 
Sometimes we're in a hurry. Sometimes we're not interested in the conversation. But at the end of the day, when it comes to trying to influence, you've got to have grace in your speech. And if you don't, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to upset people. Okay? You know, a lot of times too, sometimes people get offended even like in text messages because, you know, you can do, you know, sometimes you answer really short, you know, which typically I do just because I hate texting. And you do, you look at the text between me and my wife, paragraphs, yes, you know, the par- you know paragraphs, no. And, you know, and, and there, the other day, in fact, somebody was texting me the other day, I don't remember who it was, and I was given like really short answers, and I thought, man, I hope they don't take this the wrong way, but I was driving. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of times, I, I, I hate to admit something like that, but, you know, I, but I remember thinking about that, yeah, I hope they don't take this the wrong way, but... Uh, you know, you know how those things go. I know nobody else in here has ever done that before. I know nobody else has ever done that. But you know, be, you know, folks, let me just say this too. Don't be thin-skinned. Okay, I, I'm I'm talking to those speaking with grace now. I should probably preach another message another day for those of you when people don't have grace or you feel that they don't have grace. Don't be thin-skinned. Get over yourself. Okay, that's a short bonus message for all of you to get sensitive. All right, don't don't be that way. You're missing out when you do that. But uh, but you know either way you know so you can be in a conversation, and it's very easy to communicate you don't care about what they're saying. That's just that's not good. That's not speaking with grace when you're talking with someone when you're trying to influence them. It will help if they are your focal point, and if they know and and if and they know it if they're not. They, they know that. They understand that. If you can't seem to focus on others, you need to find out why. And it's probably because you're too obsessed with yourself. So you know what? Get, get over yourself. When, when, your, when your speech isn't toward others or favoring them, you're not going to be effective. Ecclesiastes 10.12 says, The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of the fool will swallow up himself so we want to have wisdom we want to be gracious in our speech to other people we want our speech to be seasoned with salt we see also it says there in galatians it says on uh, seasoned with salt what does salt do it, it makes things taste better it, it just it just it improves things and so whenever i'm i'm going to say something i don't want to give them just the bare bland facts okay? i mean do you really want me to preach that way I mean, how would you like if I just got up here, I stood perfectly still, and I just read my entire message, totally monotone? It's the same message, but, you know, doesn't it help if we throw some salt in, maybe some sugar and spice and, you know, you know maybe some, you know, hot chili peppers, uh, you, know, you know, you like the, for the fire breathing, preaching, stuff like that. We all like that kind of thing. Well, you know, here the Bible says you season with salt. We're just, we're trying to make it better. We're trying to make it a little more enjoyable uh, for people. Why? Because we, we want them to accept what we're trying to give them. Matthew 5.13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Your words should edify. We should build up, not just tear down. Now, I'm not, you know, so as a pastor, sometimes we've got to get ripped face. But am I trying to tear you down or am I trying to build you up? There, there's a difference. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. Your words should exhort. 
We're calling others to action. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Your words should encourage. We should know what to say. You ought to be the kind of person that you're, you're, you're able to see other people's needs and know, you know what, this is what would be a blessing to me if I was in their situation and you're able to get it right and then go be a blessing to them. That's the kind of person you ought to be. Your words should educate. We ought to be able to teach. Our words, the things that we say, ought to help people understand. The Bible says in Psalm 19:7, the testimony or the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. That's what your word should do. If your testimony is of the Lord, if it is of God, you're going to be able to take a simple person who is ignorant about certain things and all of a sudden now they're going to understand it. Why? Because you told them. And you, and you told them in the right way. Your word should enlighten. Uh, you know, the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. The commandments of the Lord are sure. Enlightening the eyes. And we need to make sure we're doing that. Not, not only just helping people be able to repeat back the facts, but where they're able to understand it. They get it. They get it. Now they want it. And, and we, we did that through our words. Your words should excite people. We should make others want to participate in things. And folks, you, you do have this ability. There is a reason we have things like Facebook today. You know why they have those things? Because advertisers, they, they want to get you. Why they're always saying, you know, like and share on Facebook. Because they know just you sharing their link to whatever, it's going to influence other people. Everybody knows everybody has some influence somewhere. And you know what they, you know, advertisers are always trying to get you to do? Use your influence. And you know what? How about we stop using our influence so much for, you know, whatever they're advertising out there. I want to use it for the things of God. Use it for something that's actually profitable. Okay? I know they promised they'd give you a free Big Mac, you know, if you shared the new promotion on the McDonald's Facebook page. But you know what? How about a crown of life, you know, for sharing the gospel with somebody? That's a, that's a whole lot better than a, than a Big Mac, folks. You know, let's, let's, let's think about our priorities here, okay? And listen, if you want to share a Big Mac post to get a free Big Mac, I'm not against you. I, I, you're not sinning. I'm not going to call you out. Uh, if it, it comes with a coupon code, I might even use it. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, let's... Let's think about the fact that we do have influence for things that are important and use it for that. So graceful speaking, it's not just something that we do with our lips, but what we say, we've got to understand it's backed up by our appearance is one thing. It says in 1 Timothy 2, 9, okay, just, just our appearance communicates things. So I don't believe that. Then why do, why do companies give out t-shirts a lot of times with the name of the company and all that on it? Because again, advertisement okay now some you know some of us are so foolish that we actually pay money to be somebody else's billboard you know you're gonna you're gonna go pay extra money because it has a big nike logo on it and then you're gonna go out and advertise for them okay you know and listen i just buy whatever's on clearance but if i'm gonna pay extra for a name brand they better or i'm not gonna do that if if i'm gonna wear a name brand i want to be like tiger woods or whatever where they're paying me for it Unfortunately, I haven't got any offers 
uh, on anything like that yet. I guess I just saw we hit 5,000 subscribers on YouTube, so maybe I'll start getting the phone calls now. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we're famous. Uh, no, I, I, I don't, I'm not expecting those calls anytime soon. But our appearance does communicate things. And I like what it says in 1 Timothy 2.9. Says in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. It's talking. Notice how this adorning that a woman should do should be one that is becoming of a woman who professes godliness. If you are professing to be godly. If you profess to be a child of God, it should be backed up and it should be communicated in how you dress. Now, if you're dressing like a heathen, if you're dressing like the heathens of this world, you're sending a weird message and people are going to be confused by that. And we need to understand that, you know, it would be like me going to a Cubs and Cardinals game and me saying, I'm a Cub fan, but I'm wearing Cardinals clothes. People are going to be confused. Now, every time the Cubs hit a home run, I'm up cheering, but I'm wearing a Cardinals jersey. I should do that sometimes. And just to see people's face. And you know what? That's what you do when you're claiming to be a Christian, but you're dressed like a heathen. You're confusing people. It's like the time I met a Lutheran pastor wearing a Kiss t-shirt. And I was just like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, you are such a legalist thinking a person can't be a Christian wearing a KISS t-shirt. Hey, listen, if somebody's saved, they're saved. I don't care what they put on, but I'm still confused. I just don't expect someone professing to be a preacher of the gospel wearing those freaks on a t-shirt. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I'm, yes, I am confused by that. And so we've got to understand that the, we do communicate things that are close. Christians are the only people that can't seem to figure this out. Everything, what we wear, it, it does, it, com, it communicates something. You know, we communicate we are men. We communicate that we are women. Some people are communicating that they can't figure it out. And you know what? I don't want to be in there. I, I don't want to do that. So our appearance, it says something. Our actions, uh, Turn over to uh, Genesis chapter 19 and verse 14. I didn't write this first down my notes, so I want to make sure I quote this right. But this is uh, when Sodom and Gomorrah is about to be destroyed. And notice in verse 14, it says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Now, why is it that, I mean, listen, Lot was serious. Lot was not mocking in this situation. I mean, he had angels come and tell him he, he knew the city was going to be destroyed. But all of a sudden now, Lot seems to care about the word of the Lord. All of a sudden, Lot seems to now, you know, because they, they probably ask a few questions. Well, why is this place being destroyed? Because it's super wicked. This place is evil. God's going to destroy it. Well, hey, you've been a leader sitting in the gate of this city. I don't remember you saying anything about this. I don't remember you rebuking these things. They, listen, his actions, his life that he had been living 
was not matching up with what he was saying at this point. And folks, what he was saying at that point was true. But his life communicated something else. And so it confused his sons-in-law. They just thought he's mocking. And you know what? They didn't listen. They didn't get out. And they died. And we've got to understand that, you know what? You can say all the right things. You can know the gospel inside and out. But you know what? If your life is not the life of a Christian, if you're living a wicked life, just understand anybody that knows you, when they hear you speaking the truth and they hear you speaking the gospel, they're going to be like, what's wrong with you? All, all of a sudden now you're spiritual. I mean, I just heard you cussing. You just cussed me out last week. You know, that's folks, that's not good. That's not that's not going to help us. And we got to understand people pay attention to us especially the people closest to us. And we've got to make sure that we have some grace in our speech. If you're just, if you're, if you're, cause again, I can be saying things that are factual, but if I have no grace with what I'm saying, it is not going to be influential. And you know what? You'll always have that person. They'll find a place in the Bible where somebody got rebuked sharply and that's their excuse to rebuke whoever they want as sharp as they want. But you know what? Listen, if you, if you chewed out your grandma and called her a reprobate and told her she's going to hell, I don't think you should have done that. And you know what? Don't, don't show me an example in the Bible of somebody getting chewed out. Okay? And then use that to justify it. It's your grandma. Okay? Take it easy. You think if you could have grace with somebody, it would be grandma. But yet, some people can't even do, they, they can't even do that. It doesn't make any sense. You know, Matthew 10, 16, Jesus speaking to his disciples it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Folks, I mean, serpents are usually associated with something bad. But you know, serpents, they are. They're, they can be, the first time we see a serpent mentioned in the Bible, it mentions its subtlety. And so understand, we do have to be careful. You know, we need, you know what it's called? Walking in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time we don't want to waste a bunch of time just you know dealing with stuff that we really don't want to deal with so we've got to use some we got to have some wisdom in how we communicate otherwise we're going to be just fighting battles that are only hindering what we really want to do and i and i don't want i don't want that for me so we've got to be wise as serpents but we also need to be harmless as doves now what a lot of people do they just go full serpent and then not only are they slithering around, but they, they never tell anybody the truth. Okay? Now, if you're never telling anybody the truth, you know what? You're hurting people. Okay? Now, when was the last time you heard about a dove attack? Okay? You know, doves are very harmless creatures, aren't they? They don't hurt anybody. So you know, you, we've got to understand, there is, there, there, there's a fine line there where we can, we can start being so careful that we end up hurting people. You know, if we're so careful, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're just afraid to even go knock on somebody's door. Now we're hurting people. Okay. We're not harmless as doves anymore. Okay. We're just a serpent. We're just hiding out. You know, when we're, when we're changing the message, then we're just the serpent at that point. But when it's talking about that, it's just talking about, you know, just being subtle, being careful because we're not going to have a lot of opportunities. So we're not trying to deceive, but we are trying to influence and we need wisdom so we can know how to communicate better and be as influential as possible. The most effective thing we can do for all of this 
is just get our hearts right so we can just be real. That, that's the most important thing we can do. If we really have grace in our hearts toward people, it will show up in our speech and we will be effective. And Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So folks, we've got to understand what we say is very, very important. But you know what? How we say it is also very, very important too. And so because so much of what we believe, so much of what we have to say is just so contrary to this world we're living in. Because it is even many times offensive to the world we're living in, that the Apostle Paul who told us to let his speech be with grace was actually in jail for what he said. We've got to understand, because it's, it's bad like that, you know what? We've got to be careful. We've got to have some wisdom. We've got to have some grace. We've got to, we got to use some salt. Whatever we've got to do, because it's not just about us being right. It's about us being effective. And we will not be effective without grace. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message will be a help to everyone. I pray you'll help all of us, Lord, to uh, not just put these things into practice, Lord, but just actually be this way in our hearts. And uh, Lord, you know it'll, it will be revealed in our life. And I pray you'll help us to be effective, help us to uh, have a real love and care and concern for others and, and, a, and a favor for others like you had with us. In your name we pray. Amen.